Welcome to the Two Marketing Moms podcast. Two women with 50 years plus of marketing. Integrity and culture are extremely important. You can still say, I don't know. Stop multitasking and be present in the moms moment. Moms have balls, big time. <laughs> Welcome to the Two Marketing Moms podcast. We are two women with more than 50 years of marketing and advertising experience between us, and we want to talk about the struggles, the fails, and the wins that we experienced while building our careers, being a boss, juggling work in a home life, and arguably the hardest and yet most fulfilling job, being a mom. This podcast was created for marketing and advertising professionals, especially the up-and-coming marketing stars of the future. We hope these tips, tricks, and advice will help you navigate work and life and get ahead. I would like to welcome Alan Brown to the Two Marketing Moms podcast. Alan Brown is the founder and chair of DNA, an LGBTQ plus and minority-owned advertising agency based in Seattle, Washington. Today, we're going to talk about LGBTQ plus talent mentorship and support. Alan and I are both members of ICOM, a global independent, independent marketing communications network with 65 advertising agencies around the world. Alan is the North American Regional Director of ICOM, and we've spent time together at annual meetings everywhere from Vancouver to, to Buffalo. So thanks for chatting with me today, Alan. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Kelly. Wonderful. So I'd like to start talking about some of your career highlights, what led you to become the founder of DNA and learn a little bit more about kind of the core of what DNA is all about, which is shaping culture, and then talk about some of the various initiatives that support this for the LGBTQ plus community. Sure. Um, well, I, I think my path to starting DNA was really um, two things. One is the agency I was working for uh, before I started DNA was acquired. And I felt, I don't really want to work for anybody else anymore. And I'm not really sure I'm employable. <laughs> so, so I just decided to start to start my own thing. And um, over the years, I mean, DNA, it, it's our 25th year this year, which I'm Congratulations. happy to say we've been around for 25 years. Yeah. And um, we really, um, our rally cry at DNA is different wins. And what that really means is that we, we really believe that our differences can make the difference in advertising. And so that's all kinds of diversity, you know, it's racial, ethnic, gender, and cognitive diversity that really builds, you know, robust teams that really look at problems and can look at problems in a different way. Oh, I love that. So how do you uh, exemplify that culture in, 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 in your work, in the agency, other than obviously the obvious things in terms of actually demonstrating diversity within your organization, but at all, how does it work within your creative? Yeah. I mean, we, we work with, you know, Clients just like anybody else does in financial services and in healthcare and CPG. So we're not a, a minority or diversity focused agency, sure. but because we're a diverse team and we have this mindset of, of diversity, it really allows us to look at things from a bit of a different and holistic perspective to consider consumer um, attitudes and mindsets when we're, you know, trying to, to sell a product or a service on behalf of our clients. And some of the things that we've done as an agency is um, I think it really, it keeps us in tune to the things we want to invest in. So for example, um, we were one of the founding agencies uh, for with Black uh, BLAC, which is an internship program for African-American students. Um, we developed an AI technology called Project Sugar Free that intercepts sugaring conversations, which, you know, trafficking happens with, you know, minority um, boys and girls. So we really kind of take that mindset and really try to apply that in places where we can to make a difference in the community. So let's talk a little bit about um, some of the basic employment stats that impact members of the LGBTQ plus community. 
there's some stats that you you told me in our last conversation that I think are um, really unbelievable when you say them out loud. And I, I'd love to hear a little bit more. Yeah, well, the thing about being LGBTQ is that um, most people, when you walk in the room, you wouldn't necessarily know um, that they're part of the LGBTQ plus community. And so getting good and accurate information, it's all self-identified, it's self-reported, right? So, so there's that challenge with it. However, um, Gallup has done, you know, they do a tracking study every year and the LGBTQ plus um, population in the U.S. is about 7.2% and it's it's holding steady, but that has doubled in the past 10 years. I mean, it's, it's been made this dramatic shift and the shifts are really happening with younger people. So currently millennials self-identify at about 11% and Gen Z identifies at about 20%. So there's, there's a big, big change in terms of people's... Um, willingness and understanding in terms of being able to to confidently self-identify as part of that community. And I think some of that has has really been a I think been a result of, of you know the culture being more open and accepting and just the comfort that they have in in being who they are. That makes a lot of sense. And um in terms of like your own personal journey, um can you talk a little bit about you know your your family the birth of your son and how that impacted how you wanted to show your face in the world and how that actually impacted some of the initiatives that you have um started at DNA Yeah um I will just start off by saying is I I'm not a trailblazer you know I wasn't you know I didn't come busting out of the closet and you know carrying the carrying the flag um early on in my career which, um, you know, I have a little bit of, um, I would say shame about that, but I wish it would have, have been stronger uh, in my early career. But the reason I didn't, you know, I, this was, you know, 20, 30 years ago, was that I didn't see anybody else in our industry or really in business that was out. And so if you don't have that ability to see someone else or see someone like yourself, it's really challenging to feel comfortable to say, okay, I'm going to be out too and risk, potentially risk my career. Yeah. And so I didn't, and I didn't until I started, when I started my agency, I felt, well, now I own an agency and I can be out as much as possible with my employees. And because I was calling the shots. And so I, I was a little bit more comfortable there, but I, but I still was not out with clients. And it wasn't until um, my son was born and I, I had two adopted kids and my son's my oldest, but when he was born, you know, we have great clients and they're, they're asking, Oh, like, you know, tell us about your son. And so tell us about your wife and, you know, kind of how, how's all this, you know, what are the circumstances here? And I just couldn't lie anymore. You know, I, and I, I wasn't lying. I just was just you know, lying by omission. I wasn't telling the full story. And so I decided to tell my clients that, you know, I adopted my kids with my partner at the time. And um, the reception was like, it couldn't have been more welcoming and it couldn't, couldn't have been more supportive. And I think it was being at the right place at the right time. And also in a place in my own life and with my own self-confidence that I could do that. And so I really credit him for, you know, bringing me out uh, to my clients and just in the whole, in the business world. Wonderful. And so there are a couple of initiatives that you've actually started. Um, some of them, I believe in the last couple of years, one of them is called uh, Come Out to Work and one of them is called Project 47. They, they're related. Yeah. So can you talk about those? Yeah. So just a little bit of backup. You, you asked me about some data. And so Come Out to Work is a project that um, the agency started um, a year ago in response to what we wanted to do it for Pride Month. And we were looking at some of the data and we, wanted, we really wanted to kind of connect it to business. And so the data we looked at was that 
just a little more than half of workers in the U.S. are are out at work. So it's almost half and half. People are half people are out, half people aren't out. And it's not surprising because just a few years ago, it was legal to fire someone for being uh, LGBTQ, right? So when when the um, uh, Civil Liberties um, Act was or Civil Rights Act was, was modified to include LGBTQ workers, that changed things quite a bit. Um, we also learned that from data that when you are out at work, people who are out at work are happier. They have more productive careers. They have better relationships with their, their bosses, things like that. So we thought, what can we do to try to foster a little bit more of that? And so we created Come Out to Work, which was a um, an Instagram social campaign to encourage people to tell their story of coming out at work. And so we collected one minute videos and we shared a video per day over Pride. And it, it was just an awesome opportunity to share some of the data, some of the statistics and these personal stories of being out at work. I got tons of feedback from people that you know, said, Hey, I, you know, I, I'm not out of work, but I, you know, I'm, it's great to see people that are, and it makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. And so that was the genesis of come out to work. And then project 47 is new. Yeah. So, so project 47. So yeah, pride month ends. And I always say that, you know, people kind of bust out the rainbow flags for a month. And then once, once that's over, the party's over and the stuff goes back in the closet, yeah. including the people sometimes. And so we were looking at what was happening last summer. And um, one of the things that happened was the four A's um, did a diversity study um, and they interviewed or they got data from 132 agencies, including large agencies, small agencies that represented about about 40,000 people. So it was a big study, a big quantitative study. But in that study, they asked, they asked a lot of questions about diversity. And one of the questions was your sexual orientation. And in this study, the data that was reported is that 0.017% of people in advertising self-identify as LGBTQ plus. So the first, <laughs> the first response is like, something's wrong with the data. Yeah. So I talked to four A's and they said, there's nothing wrong with the data. Um, but what we concluded is that are two things. One is that there's, there's a potential that there are the cultures don't exist in the agencies for people to be out, to feel comfortable to be out. And second of all, probably a, even a bigger part is the companies weren't collecting that, that data, right? So if you're not asking people, you don't have the data, you go into a bucket of being um, non-LGBTQ+, right? So kind of back to the number, if you look at that 0.017% and extrapolate that to the number of people working in advertising, that would mean that 46 people working in advertising agencies in the U.S. are out or LGBTQ+. Yeah. So we said, okay, what can we do? And we wanted to do something simple and meaningful and impactful. And so we created the Project 47 Pledge, which we are asking agencies, advertising agencies around the country to agree to, to mentor one LGBTQ employee for one hour per month for one year. And our goal is to get 47 agencies that would agree to do that. And if we could do that, we would prove that there are more than 46 people who are out and so um, that's um, where the 47 came i did realize yeah that. yeah it's kind of a long you know long math equation or long division whatever you want to call it but anyway that's where the 47 came into play and it's shocking i mean how how um how many people one didn't know about that didn't understand the problem that you know if you're not you know asking people their sexual orientation um it kind of sets a tone in your agency in your company and really deflates the data um 
the amazing thing is that this has been a complete, you know, program of referral and picking up the phone and making calls and connections. And we have over 70 agencies who have um, signed up for to be part of the Project 47 Pledge and are mentoring uh, people today. That's wonderful here to hear. And our agency, Williams Whittle, is a part of that as well. So happy One to the see. early ones. <laughs> happy to support that. So are you going to change the name to increase the number now? <laughs> no, uh, we're, we're not. Now, if, if the if the 4As, um, you know, up, if there's a way to update their survey and they have better data, you know, we will, of course, you know, share share that. But um, we're probably not going to change the, the name of it. I mean, I, I would like to get 100 agencies on board this year, um, but it's, you know, like I said, it, it's dialing for participants at this point. And right now it's all about word, word of mouth. You don't have like a paid campaign or anything to promoting it. All, all word of mouth. Uh, we have uh, we have an Instagram site, which has come out to work and we're, you know, thanking agencies for joining and things like that. So that's what, that's about what we're doing to get people on board. Fantastic. On board. We'll continue to support that, um, that, yeah. that channel as well. So let's just talk a little bit about what are the actions that em employers can take um, in order to be more inclusive to LBGTQ community? Yeah, it's pretty, um, there are some pretty simple things employers can do. And so we kind of bucket it into like, into, into three buckets. One is to be, to be visible, be equitable, and to be intolerant. And um, I'll kind of take those one at a time. Mm -hmm. So in terms of being visible, um, one of the things employers can do is to provide options for employees to self-identify. And so if you're if you're running a company and you offer people that option to self-identify, it tells people in your company that you're an open, uh, safe, inclusive culture, right? So just the act of asking says a lot about the kind of company you are. Yeah. So that's one thing they can do in terms of being visible. The second thing, and I know this is this can be controversial at times, but um Using personal pronouns um, and gender neutral language kind of helps normalize the conversation and again signals to um, to your entire company again you're a safe, open, inclusive, welcoming um, organization and respectful and respectful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then the third thing is, um, you know, after the incidents in 2020 and the murder of George George Floyd, there was a lot of effort in DEI. And reporting DEI statistics, and so, and a lot of those statistics really um, ha haven't moved much past um, race, ethnicity, and gender. And so, another thing the company can do is to start to collect and report um, statistics on LGBTQ plus representation in the companies. So, and again, all of these things really set that culture of being open, safe, and inclusive. So that that's be visible. So, does that does that make sense? Absolutely. And then alternatively, how do you support coworkers and colleagues yeah. um, to demonstrate that you are supportive? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, the the biggest thing a, a company can do is to have allies in, in, in an organization, people who are there to support, um, to support their fellow coworkers. And so some of that, so another, you know, part of our bucket is to be equitable. And one of those things is to, um, you know, really not put all of this work on your LGBTQ plus employees. So, you know, really have have allies who are there to share in to share in that journey and, and, and to help. Um, you know, another thing in terms of being being equitable and supportive within the company is to really 
understand and customize or, or not customize, but but think through how your health benefits work and how other benefits in your company will work mm-hmm. and being respectful of special, special needs that um, this group might have or want. Um, so for example, ad- adoption may be one of those. Um, gender affirming care. Um, you know, think, think a parental leave, you know, it isn't um, only for, for females and for moms. I mean, it's, they're, they're all kind of kinds of families. So that, I think those are a few ways that, you know, coworkers can support their LGBTQ plus coworkers. I'm going to go off script for a minute and ask you a little yeah. bit about, um, a little bit about uh, advertising, which is of course what we do. So mm-hmm. um, one of the main things that we always struggle with um, as an agency for our clients is making sure that we're, we're showing, we're showing diversity in our advertising, right? And that's yep. diversity in all the ways that we've talked about today. So um, you have a group, um, a board, in essence, that does this. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's really smart and all agencies should do that. In fact, you should probably market yourselves and let other agencies be able to use your board. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty pretty cool thing. So what we what we did this year is we set up um, a DE&I um, um, advisory board. And so what we do, and, and this is a board of um, experts in the area. And so so they look at, they really are experts in language representation, cultural appropriation, I mean, all the things that, that, you know, many of us can kind of step into, you know, um, naively and, and unintentionally, um, because not everybody can understand everything about every single racial, ethnic, you know, group out there. And also there are lots of generational differences, but, but these folks really understand this very, very well. And so we started with one of our clients um, and engaging this um, advisory board to look at everything we were doing. So from our creative brief, from our scripts that we wrote, from casting, wardrobe, first cuts of our cuts of our, our ads, we're doing, doing TV and video. And they gave us great insight. I mean, amazing insight in terms of like, um, not only the watch outs, but how to build upon, right? And so how to, you know, because a lot of people kind of feel like DE&I things are about, you know, um, mitigating problems and it, and it is, but it's also like, how do you really, um, celebrate and build upon certain groups and and cultures in a way that is, is representative and, um, and positive. And so they've been a tremendous asset to us as an agency and to our clients that we're engaging that board with. Well, I think that's something that every agency should either have or have an opportunity to tap into for, for advertising campaigns, because, we do have that conversation a lot about how do agencies shape, does advertising shape culture? What shapes culture? And does advertising, is advertising a key part of that? And I know you talk about that a lot on your website in terms of culture. Anything else to, to note about that? And also leading your clients, you know, leading your clients to make sure that they're making those decisions um, to be on the, you don't want to say cutting edge, but this is normal. This is normalized and it should be normalized. It, it absolutely is. I think, you know, Advertising reflects culture, you know, in, in terms of like, you know, we, we do reflect culture, but we do have the opportunity to uh, to drive and to impact culture. And um, I think there, there are two things that happen in advertising that are big watch outs. Um, one is that if we consider ourselves the target market, which I think is ha- happens a lot in advertising, you get young creative teams that are, you know, if, if they're not very diverse, I mean, they kind of see themselves as the, as the target market and create advertising for themselves. Yeah, you know that, that that's a that that's a big watch out. And then the second point is is that not all 
uh, audiences are monolithic. So for example, we have the term LGBTQ plus, right? That that's a big, you know, number of letters that we try to kind of lump everybody into, right? But there really couldn't be more of a difference between a gay man, um, a lesbian woman, a transgender person. I mean, they're they're very different. And so, in thinking about marketing to um, communities, whatever those communities are, you really have to understand the nuances and the and the um, life experiences and the you know the, the differences among those. So you really have to have your ear to the ground and tap into an um, understanding who those folks really are and, and how to best communicate with them. If people want to learn more, uh, can you tell talk about a couple of the re the resources um, and what what the web addresses are or, or social media channels to learn more about these two initiatives? Come out to yeah. work at Project Forty Seven. Yeah, and so it, it's the it's the same website. It, it's come out to work with a dash in between the words. So you know, it's come dash out dash to dash work yeah. dot com, um, and that that's where you find information about. Um, you know, really how companies can be more open, inclusive, safe work um, organizations for their employees. And also, where the, and there's information there about the Project 47 pledge. And if you're an advertising agency or in the space, you can actually take the pledge um, and you'll be, you know, you'll be recognized on the site and your logo can go up there. And um, it, it'd be a big thank you and shout out to to companies who, who do that. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Alan. I really appreciate you talking about this important subject. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great. Great seeing you, Kelly. Take care.